return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. And happy Easter to everyone. We bless God that we have become beneficiaries of His sacrifice on the cross. So this morning we'll be having our Bible study. and I want us to briefly close our eyes for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thank you to this morning. We are, we are grateful to you for everything that you've done for us, for our families, for our friends, for our loved ones, even for the church. We thank you, O Lord God Jesus, that we are beneficiaries of your sacrifice on the cross. And, 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 and by your grace, O oh Lord, you, you, you rose up in, in, in victory. You rose up triumphanting over sin, triumphanting over the enemy, and, and making us a blessing. We thank you and we give you all the praise for a day like this. It is our prayer that as we study your word, you come and dwell in our midst. Come and enlighten us through your word, O oh God, and let us be blessed, O oh God. May our lives not be the same again, in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank God for today once again. God bless you for also coming. So today is Resurrection Sunday. And, and thank God that we, we do not serve the gods, the so-called gods, who are just in books, the so-called gods, who are just carvings of man. But we serve a God who is alive. Hallelujah. And, and he's the reason why you and I are saved. So this morning, our, our, our Bible study is, is on He is risen. He is risen. So we'll take our Bible readings from Luke chapter 24, verse 1 to 12. So now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two, two men stood by them in shining garments. Okay. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you and when he was still in, in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And be crucified. And the third day rise again. And he remembered his words. Amen. So we thank God for Christ rising you know, from the dead. And you know, when I was reading through this scripture. It just reminds me of the promise God made you know, to the world. That when you look at some of the will of God concerning man. The Bible says that he does not delight in the death of the sinner. But he, he, it is as well that, you know, everyone will come to the saving knowledge of the truth. You know, and, 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 and Christ dying and, you know, resurrecting was the fulfillment of that will or that promise God has for mankind. So, when you look at the, generally the world we live in, somebody calls this world a world of promise and fail. You know, 
The world offers empty promises. People give promises, and because they are human and because they are limited, they fail. And sometimes they are not able to fulfill the promises they make. You know, when, when there are so many friends, there are so many people I've come in contact with who, you know, had a very rosy beginning, you know, came from affluent homes, and, you know, you meet them and they tell you their plans and the promises their parents have, you know, told them they are going to do in their lives and all that. And then fast forward, you know, you look back into their life currently, and you do not see them living, you know, in that promise. And then you ask them and they will tell you that, oh, yeah, my, my, my dad promised me, my mom promised me. There was so much promise for my life, but, you know, um, prematurely they died and they were not able to fulfill, you know, what they promised. And that tells you about how weak and how frail man is. We are limited. You know, we are human. And apart from the fact that death can even not make man fulfill his promises, sometimes because of how human we are, sometimes we, we make promises and naturally humans are liars. But for God, coming in you and, 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 and transforming man, humans are, are liars. And I was, I was just sitting down thinking back, you know, in Ghana, after college, there is something we call national service. So after college, there is this mandatory um, one-year service you have to render to, like, government institution or any other institutions, you know, in the country. And everyone has to go through that. And, and, and it is mandatory. It is the government that does the posting. So you don't even know where you'll be going to after college. And sometimes where you, get, where you go to actually determines your future. Because if you are put in a good corporation or a good, you know, um, workplace, you eventually, after your one year, you end up working there, making good money and all that. People also end up being posted into, you know, villages, you know, where there are no resources and all that. And eventually, after the national service, if they don't have any connections and all that, they may end up being there and it affects their future. So, so sometimes people work their way out. So people who come from affluent homes, you know, whose parents are connected to, you know, CEOs and, you know, big people in companies, you know, they, they vow for them. So they're able to manipulate things so that they are posted to those places, you know. And, and I remember, you know, back in school, before I completed college, my, my dad had a friend who was a financial manager of one of the big corporations. And, oh, he promised my dad I shouldn't worry at all. When, when I'm done with college, they are going to, you know, send my name to the National Service Secretariat so I'll be posted there and all that. And then fast forward, after college, and, you know, we wanted to reach out to this man, and then he started giving so many excuses. I, I promised that, but things have changed, and I cannot fulfill this promise, you know. And, and that is how man is, you know. Man is limited. Man is human. And that is why the Bible makes us to understand in Psalm 146, verse 3. Bible says something. Bible says that we should not put our trust in princes, nor in the son of man, in whom there is no help. His spirit departs. He returns to his earth in the very day his plans perish. And that tells you about how mortal man is. You know, man can promise and die. And then when you read Numbers chapter 23 verse 19, the Bible says that God is different from man. Man is a liar, but God is not a liar. He said that God is not man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? And that is the kind of God we serve. That is why it is always expedient to always put your trust in God. He is the only one who never fails. He is the only one whose word stands for sure. You know, 
There's a story, maybe some of you might have heard this story about a young man who came from a wealthy, you know, family. And as part of their traditions, any time, you know, any son or child in that family is graduating, one of the things that their dad does for them is that he buys them a car, the car of their choice, you know. So this, this, this boy was on the verge of graduating from high school, and then he knew it was a stand, you know, to get a car of his choice. So three weeks prior to his um, graduation, his dad took him, you know, to town. You know, they went to so many automobile, you know, factories looking at cars, and then for the guy to make a choice. So about a week, they went around visiting garages and all that, and eventually he found a car of his dream, you know. And then all that he was hoping for and all that he was waiting for was, you know, the night before the graduation, his dad would give him that present of a car. And then the night before the graduation, his dad came with a parcel and then presented it to him. He was so happy. And then in his mind, he knew he was going to open this gift and see, you know, car keys in there. But when he opened it, it was a Bible. And all of a sudden, his countenance changed because he knows Bible is good. But at this point in time, that is not what he needs, you know. And, and, and he, he got offended. He thought his dad had not treated him well. He's been good to most of his friends, his, his, his older siblings. As for him, when it's his turn to get a car, instead of giving him keys for the car, you are giving him a Bible. So eventually, he was pissed off. He threw the Bible away, and he vowed not to talk to his dad again. So he left home. You know, he left home. Fast forward, he was living his life, never spoke to his dad again. He thought his dad had betrayed him and lied to him. And he was um, there one time, and he was told that his dad was terribly sick and on the verge of dying, so he should come home and at least make peace with his dad. And this gentleman says, nope, he's not going to come home. So his dad passed, and, and when his dad passed, the family was now putting pressure on him that it is, it is expedient that he comes home to make the funeral arrangement. So he decided to come back home. And, and when he came back home... Um, he was asked to sort, you know, the, the, the stuff of his dad and then take the things that he, need, he needed. In his mind, he was so angry and bitter that he wanted to take everything, you know, to charity. But something told him that you just take your time, go through the things. Maybe you get something you need and then the things you don't need, you take it to charity. So he was searching and searching and searching and he came across that Bible. And then it actually brought back memories, and it made him more furious, more angry, because it reminds him of how his dad lied to him. And he just decided to, you know, flip the pages of the Bible. And as he flipped, he saw, you know, a check, you know, hidden somewhere in the chapters, in one of the chapters. And then he looked at it, and he looked at the money, you know, the amount of money that was written on the check. And that amount of money was just the same as, you know, how that car, the price of that car. And actually, the, the dad wanted, you know, to give him, the dad actually wanted to give him the car, but he wanted to put the money in a Bible to teach him a lesson. All that he wanted to teach his son was that it is good that car is, car is good. You know, it makes life easy. You're able to move about and all that. But it is much more important, you know, to know the law. It is much more important to serve the Lord. Because the Bible has made us to understand that seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All other things shall be added. 
the more you see God, the more you love God, the more you learn about God, the more you study his word, the more he unravels much more blessings, even in your life. That was actually the lesson his dad wanted to, you know, teach him. But he was not patient enough. He, he, he didn't take his time. And because of that, he missed it. And, and he didn't get his dream car, and he was not able to have that relationship that, you know, his father actually wanted to have with him. So he lost that relationship. And, 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 and this is, is very similar to people of the world. There are so many people who, you know, have thrown away having relationship with God, you know, just because of material things. They have thrown away studying the word of God and having a relationship with God just because they did not understand, you know, the Father very well. So there are so many people who have lost this, this opportunity, you know. And, and it's, a, it's a lesson that goes to we believers, that, that we, like the young man, we should take our time, flip into the pages of the Word of God, study the Word of God to, to show ourselves approved, you know. The more we learn about God, the more we build our spirituality, the more God thinks about other aspects of our life. And, and, and that is how, you know, God wants us to be. So that father of that son is, is similar to God. He didn't, he didn't lie. His promise for the boy was actually true. It was just because the boy, you know, didn't have patience enough, you know, didn't have the, the, the temperance to wait to achieve those promises. And that is what happens to most believers. It is not as if God is not interested in our well-being. It is not as if that God, what God has said concerning our lives is not true. It is really true and it will definitely come to pass. We need to take our time and have that patience and trust God and trust the Father so that these dreams shall also come to pass. Okay, so, so God is a God who doesn't lie. God is a God who promises and fulfills his promise. So looking at this story, it just brings memory to God's promise of giving us his son, his only begotten son. You know, like I said from the beginning, God had a plan for mankind. When you look at Genesis, from Genesis to Revelation, you realize that the plan of God was for man to enjoy his blessing. The plan of God was for man to be blessed. You know, so you realize that in, 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 in all dispensations, he was putting in strategies, bringing in things that would draw man closer to him so that man can be blessed. You know, but you see, what actually, you know, ended everything, that completed everything, was he giving us his son. And, and, and that, that, was, that was a perfect blessing for man. So when you, when you look at this promise that man will not die, that man will not die in his sins, that man will be saved. So, that, so he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So this promise of God for mankind, you know, because he is God who does not fail, this promise actually came into fruition about 2,000 years ago. It came into being about 2,000 years ago. And, and when you read the scripture we read, you know, in the Luke chapter 24, verse 5 to 8, you know, it tells you about what Jesus Christ had to go through, you know, died, was, was, he was beaten, you know, he was flogged, you know, he died, he was, he was crucified on the cross, and he died for mankind. And the good news was that he did not just die, the Bible said that he resurrected in power. So when you read the book of Luke chapter 24, the verse, the, the verse, oh yeah, this Hebrews chapter 10, 23, said, let's keep firm, grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. God always keeps his word. He's not man. He always keeps his word. So he kept his word that brought redemption to mankind by giving off 
giving of his son, Jesus Christ, that he will die for us and resurrect in power so that you and I will be saved. You know, so 2,000 years ago, a day like this, he resurrected. He is risen, you know. And when you read the verse 5 to 8, the Bible says that when he died and, 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 and after three days, these women wanted to embalm him. The Bible says that they took spices and took so many things there to embalm him. When they got there, they realized that the stone that covered the tomb had been rolled away. You know, and, 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 and they were scared. And the Bible said that an angel, two angels actually appeared and told them, that, Why are you looking for the dead? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Hallelujah. It, it tells you about the fact that Jesus is alive. And, 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 and they, were, they were so scared. And then he was saying, have you forgotten what he told you whilst he was alive? And when you read scriptures, you, do, you read the gospel, it tells about so many scenarios where in, the, in the, time of Je- the time that Jesus was alive and was with his disciples, he kept talking about the fact that he would die, he would be, you know, be, be battered, he would be beaten, he would be crucified, and he's going to rise up on the third day. So he actually you know, prophesied into that before it happened. So that was what the angel was actually reminding these ladies that have you forgotten what he told you that it is, it is expedient that the son of man, you know, should die and after the third day will rise up. So the angels were actually confirming the fact that Jesus was not dead, but Jesus is alive. And the Bible said that when they heard this, they were so happy. They were so happy. But when you read the account of Matthew chapter 28, you know, Matthew chapter 28 also brings another aspect of, you know, what the chief priest also did. When the stone was rolled away and the, the ladies came in there and they didn't meet Jesus Christ. Bible says that the soldiers who were guarding the tomb, you know, they saw the angels and then they were terrified. So when they woke up from, you know, their unconsciousness, they ran to the chief priest and told the chief priest of everything that had transpired. The fact that Jesus is no longer there, he's risen and they saw angels and all that. And the chief priest knowing that Jesus is indeed the son of God. And they knowing that Jesus is going to be glorified and more popular if the entire populace you know, get to hear about it. Bible said that they bribed the soldiers, you know, to go around telling people that it was actually the disciples who came over during the night when they were asleep to take the body of Jesus away. They wanted to discredit, you know, you know, the authority of Christ. They wanted to discredit the fact that Jesus Christ is not dead but alive. And when you read scriptures, Bible said that this this news traveled all over the land of the Jews. You know, and this thing has persisted even till our generation. People still believe that Jesus Christ didn't rise up from the dead. People still believe that, you know, even those who actually give some kind of respect to Jesus, religions and other people who give some kind of little respect to Jesus, admit the fact that he was a prophet, he was a good man and all that, and he died. But the fact that he rose, nobody wants to, you know, accept that fact. Just because of these lies that were propagated from the time you know, it happened. You know, it has passed through the, the time of the Jews and it is now even in our era. People still don't believe that Jesus is alive. But indeed, Jesus is alive. He has risen in power. You know, he has risen in authority. And, and, and he's seated at the right hand side of God, you know, interceding for you and I. So Jesus is alive. You know, apart from the evidence of the fact that in his lifetime, he was prophesying, you know, about his death that all of them got to know about. You know, when the angel told them about the fact that uh, he's risen, have you forgotten all that he told you that the Son of Man has to die and then rise up on the third day? 
You know, after saying all this to the Bible says that, and they remembered. You know, and they remembered. It means that the, the ladies actually understood. The ladies remembered the fact that Jesus told them about the fact that he's going to die and rise up again. These are evidence of the fact that he's alive. You know, other evidence of the fact that he's alive, when you read scriptures, I, I didn't put that in there, but in Luke chapter 24, the Bible talks about the fact that when he rose, there were two disciples, Cleopas and his friend, who were, you know, on their way to Emmaus. And, and they were talking about what these ladies have come to tell them about the fact that Jesus, you know, has risen. And then they were having a discussion and Jesus came amongst them and was asking them, what discussion are you guys having? And they were saying that, oh, are you the only stranger in this land? Haven't you heard about, oh, this Jesus Christ, who we believe was going to save us? And then he was killed, he was crucified, and now our ladies are saying that he's risen. And all that, and, you know, and Jesus was taking them through scripture, bringing into remembrance, have you forgotten that all these things are written in scripture? You know, and Bible said that when they got home and they broke bread, their eyes opened, and they saw that indeed Jesus was alive. These are evidence that show that he's alive. You know, when you read scriptures, in the book of John chapter 20, verse 9, the Bible talks about the fact that when he rose up, he appeared to the disciples. You know, he showed them the nail-pierced palms. He showed them, you know, all the, the scars on his ribs and all that to let them know that indeed he's alive. And Bible said that when, when he came, Thomas was not around. And so when Thomas came back, they told Thomas that, oh, our, our master is alive. He visited us and he said, that, no, I'm not going to believe until I see him. And he appeared to Thomas also, confirming the fact that he is alive. You know, you know in, the book of, in the book of Luke chapter 24, and even in the book of John, he appears to Peter, where he asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? You know, feed my flock and all that. These are all evidence of the fact that Jesus actually rose. And, then, and when he was leaving, before he gave the great commission, multitudes, people who followed him, you know, came under his feet. He spoke to them before he ascended to heaven. And all these things are evidence that people want to, you know, throw under the carpet just to discredit that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he's alive. But indeed, he's alive. But in our era, if, if, there are, if there are certain evidence we want to see, to know that indeed Jesus is indeed alive, then the evidence is you and I. Hallelujah. The evidence is the believer. When you read the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 29, it said that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hallelujah. You know, the mere fact that we are saved is an evidence that he's alive. Because we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart, you know, that he's, he's the son of God, he died, and he's alive. And that is why we are alive. That is why we are saved. So you and I are evidence of the fact that he's indeed risen. Jesus is, is alive, you know. Jesus is alive. And without the resurrection, our salvation will not be complete. Without the resurrection, without him rising up from the dead, you and I's salvation will not be complete. In the, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, the Bible says that if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. I guess you're having some problems, right? You're having problems with the scriptures? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. Bible says that if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So it is actually his resurrection. It is actually 1 Corinthians 15, 17. It is actually his resurrection 
that, 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 that gives credence to our salvation. Without his resurrection, you and I will not be, will not be saved. You know? And it is his resurrection power that enables us to live a life of purity and live a life outside sin. You know, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. If, if you can get to Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It was talking about the fact that you, you and I, you know, when, 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 when we are baptized, you know, when, when we are baptized, you know, we die with Christ and we resurrect with Christ, you know. It is just to confirm, it is just to confirm the fact that you and I have been saved because Christ is alive, you know. And, and Romans 8, 11, as I said, that if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, this same spirit will quicken your mortal bodies. If this, this the spirit, you know, that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. It's not working. Okay. okay, that's fine. So technology problems. <laughs> that is why it's good to have your Bible. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that if the spirit that rose Christ, you know, the spirit of him that rose Christ from the dead, you know, dwells in you. That same spirit, you know, will quicken your mortal bodies. You know, and it's talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, it means that, you know, he rising up, he rose up in power. The Spirit of God is what actually quickened Christ to, 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 to rise up. And then when we become saved, this same spirit quickens our mortal body. And that is why we can, we can now say no to sin. You know, we are talking about evidence that shows that indeed Christ is alive. That same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is dwelling in you and I. That is why our lives are different from the, the, from the beginning. You know, that is why you can look at somebody who did not believe in Jesus Christ, somebody who was in the scene, who was in sin, who was an alcoholic, who was a womanizer, who was doing all kinds of sins, you know, now saying that I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. I have confessed with my mouth, I have believed with my heart that God has risen him from the dead and I have now been saved. And that spirit that rose Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, you know, now dwells in you. It quickens your mortal body. Now you can say no to sin. So, so this should be a clear evidence that indeed Christ resurrected. Because the power that rose him from the dead dwells in you and I. We are guided by the Holy Spirit. We are taught by the Holy Spirit. Our path are, you know, directed by the Spirit of God. That Spirit that is from God who rose Christ from the dead dwells in you and I. It is an evidence that indeed the message about his resurrection is true. Christ indeed is risen. So these are evidence that shows that indeed you and I, you know, Christ is risen and you and I have become the child of God. One evidence is the fact that we are guaranteed, you know, constant, you are guaranteed of the fact that he is constantly interceding for us. You know, when you read the word of God in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, you know, Bible says that Jesus, God raised Jesus Christ, you know, from the dead. You know, he is now risen, seated at the right hand side of God, interceding for you and I. Hallelujah. He's interceding for you and I. So it means that Jesus Christ did not just, you know, die on the cross. He was not only just buried, you know, but rather he also what? Resurrected. He also rose up from the dead on the third day. And now the Bible says that he's seated at the right hand side of God, making intercession for us. He did not go to, I was reading something in a book. He said that Jesus did not go to heaven, you know, after his early ministry to take a break. No. So Jesus at this point in time is not taking a break. 
He's risen. He's seated at the right hand side of God. And he's not just resting. He's actually interceding for you and I. He's still, you know, fulfilling his eternal shepherd rule over our lives. You know, and, and, and it's so interesting. Even when he was weak, even when he was being flogged, even when he was being beaten, even when he hanged on the cross, even, even when he felt so weak, you know, he was able to, you know, reconcile you and I back to God. How more now that he's alive, seated at the right hand side of God, he's doing greater works for you and I. And, and, and that, is why, that is why we see the miracles we see. It is an evidence of the fact that Jesus is alive. Because the Bible says that because of all these things, God has given him a name that is above every other name. That at the mention of the name Jesus Christ, every knee, you know, on earth, every knee in heaven, every knee under the earth will bow. And every time will confess that indeed he is Lord. So that is why when you are sick and you say that in the name of Jesus, I should be well. I get well because he's alive. And he's fulfilling his intercessory role for us. So as we mention his name, He's seated by the right-hand side of God, and he's telling God, these people need your healing, and God will act on our behalf. Even when we are saved, and we still find ourselves in, you know, petty struggles of sins and all that, and the enemy is trying to, you know, make us feel, you know, dirty before God, Jesus Christ is sitting at the right-hand side of God, still interceding for us, telling God that, remember my sacrifice, let it not go in vain. So Jesus is still alive, and that is why his name is so active. That is when somebody is even, you know, on the verge of getting an accident, the, the, every, every hope is lost, and then the person mentions the name of Jesus, and then there is salvation. One way or the other, there is a rescue from, from you know, in, in a way that you can't even understand. It means that he's alive, and he's still working on our behalf. And that is the Jesus we serve. So today, even as we, we, we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday, it is not just... Like um, fables or, you know, fairy tales we have heard or read in scripture. But it is actually a reality that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was crucified. He died. He was buried. And, and he's risen. He's alive. He's resurrected. And, and he's, he resurrected in power. He resurrected in authority that you and I will experience the blessings of God. So today should be a joyous moment in the life of the believer. You know, if anything, anything will make you sad, just remembering the fact that Jesus died and rose for you again, you know, should give you hope, should give you some assurance that no matter what you are going through, God stayed true to his promise of giving his son. He's going to stay true to the promise he has made concerning your life. So Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. So this morning we thank God. This morning we give glory to God that Jesus is alive and we are recipients of his blessings. May the Lord bless us this morning for the word he has shared with us. And it is my prayer that may the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, you know, be seen and be evident in your life. Everything you are going through, because Jesus died and rose. If there is any dead situation in your life, may the Lord bring life, even in the name of Jesus. So we live in, in miracles. We live in hope. We live in blessings. Because Jesus triumphed over all these things. He triumphed over curses and he has given us blessings. He triumphed over sicknesses and he has given us health. He triumphed over every negatives of this world and he has brought the positives that we deserve as children of God. So it is my prayer that as we go through this day, as we celebrate this day, may God answer a need on our heart because Jesus is alive. May the Lord bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Our God is an awesome God.
Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.